Good morning and welcome once again to Christ Community Presbyterian Church. We are continuing our study in the Gospel of Mark. Uh, we're going to be looking in the Gospel of Mark in chapter 4. Um, as we continue in this study, uh, we're looking again at the parables of Jesus. Um, and last week we looked at what I called the parable of the parables. It was the parable of the sower and all the different soils that he sowed into um, and we looked at how the seed went out and landed on all these soils, and it didn't go out and return void, but it came back and produced uh, an abundance. Um, and it was talking primarily about the sowing of the word and the, the king who's sowing that word, Jesus Christ. Um, and this week, we're going to continue the theme of that sowing, of that proclamation that goes out into the world, uh, and talking about the growth of the kingdom. And we'll do that by looking at chapter 4, 21 to 34. So Mark chapter 4, 21 to 34. You can follow along in your bulletins or or in your Bibles. Hear God's word. And he said to them, is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears, let him hear. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given, and from from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And he said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in in the sickle, because the harvest has come. And he said... With what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of the seeds on the earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. The word of the Lord. Let's pray. Gracious God and Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you for the revelation uh, of the Lord Jesus to us. Uh, And we thank you that he spoke to us and gave us ears to hear. And so, Lord, we ask that this morning you too would... Give us ears to hear this morning your word for us this day. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So the Lord Jesus taught his disciples to pray, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Those last three clauses, thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven are prayers of longing. They reflect a truth 
that while the kingdom of God has in part come, that indeed Jesus came and died and rose again and has established his church among the people of the world, that it has yet to come in its fullness, right? It's already and not yet. And I would suggest that it seems often or more often than not that we feel the not yet rather than the already. Just just experientially. It feels not yet as I look at a world in rebellion against God. And it feels not yet as I look at pain and suffering that comes as a result of the fall. And it feels like not yet as I consider my own sin my own struggles, and my constant failing and falling. And it's part of the Christian experience to long for the completeness or the consummation of the coming of the kingdom of God. So we continue to pray, Thy kingdom come. And while the kingdom of God does not always appear to be gaining ground, nevertheless, It is triumphant. Christ the King prevails. And this morning as we look at our text, I want us to take courage and comfort. His kingdom comes and His will is done on earth as it is in heaven, no matter what it may seem like at any given moment of life. Each of these parables reflects this sure hope. And so we ought not to lose heart. King Jesus comes and his will is being done here on earth just as it is in heaven and this is how we're going to break up our sermon we're going to look at these three things his kingdom comes his will is done on earth as it is in heaven and we're going to look at each of the parables in sort of each of these areas so i'm going to kind of work through each point his kingdom comes and i'm going to look at all three parables within the context of that idea and then i'll move to the next point, thy will be done, and I'll look at each parable in the context of that idea, and then similarly on the third point, on earth as it is in heaven, looking at each one in order. So, to begin, let's look at this first petition. His kingdom comes. Thy kingdom come, Lord. That's the prayer. Each of these parables that we are reading are about the coming of the kingdom. Jesus is, of course, the king and who is present there with his people. He has come. He is, he is at hand. And he wants them to know that the kingdom of God is bursting forth. It's coming to bear. And it's being revealed to them. And this basic truth that, that, that Christ has come, that the kingdom is coming, brings great comfort to us. Why? Because... The kingdom of God comes. It comes. There's there's other parables that talk about going out and seeking, right? Seeking the kingdom, the the lost coin, the lost sheep. There's the or the the, you know there's these pictures of the the treasure. Um, But here, the idea of the kingdom coming is prevalent throughout our text. Let's just look at each of these parables. In turn, first, in the parable of the lamp or of the light. This is a lamp, it says, 
Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. Now it's interesting here in verse 21, it says, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket? Now that's a pretty straightforward question. Um, but it's interesting. All of, your, all of the translations translate it this way. Again, I did this in Sunday school, so I feel a little bit odd going sort of, uh, and, and not against in any sense uh, the translations, but to kind of nuance it a little bit. The word there for brought isn't brought. It is the word come. So is a lamp, is a lamp doesn't make sense. This is why they all translate it this way. Uh, is a lamp come to be put under a basket or under a, a bed, or, 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 or is it to be put on a stand? That's the question. But that's an awkward way to, be, to put it. So the translators say, a lamp is brought, because you bring a lamp, you carry a lamp. But the word here is, is the light come? And I don't think Jesus was missing a, something here. He, wasn't, he could have used a different verb, but he chose this verb because... I think he was pointing at himself. He was talking about himself. I am the light of the world and I have come. And you don't take this light and put it under a bushel or a basket. You don't take it and hide it under a couch or a bed. But you go and you make it shine forth and you set it on a stand. And what I want us to marvel at here is the amazing truth that the light comes and shines into the darkness of our world. Without the light of the glory of Christ, there would be no hope. Darkness and gloom would, be, would prevail, but the light of the world has shone and has shined into the darkness and it casts out the gloom. Right? This is John 1. A light came into the world. But we see this idea of the coming of the light or the coming of the kingdom uh, in the other parables as well. Here in uh, the second parable, the parable of the seed that grows. Uh, it's similar to our parable that we looked at last week where, the, where the, 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 the sower went out and sowed the seeds. Here he says the kingdom of God is as if a man would scatter seed on the ground. Now, I'm going to say out front, I think the emphasis of this particular parable is not on the sowing as much as it is on the growing. And on the power of the God and the, the growing of that, that it isn't at the hand of the sower, but it is the soil, the text says. It, the, the, the growth happens apart from the sower. But I still think this idea of the sowing, of the seed going out, that it spread of course, the seed, the word of God, uh, is something we take for granted. We all have it at our fingertips. At the push of a button, we can pull up all these pages in the, in the blink of an eye. We can have every verse at our fingertips. And I think we take it for granted. That the King of Kings has graciously come and revealed Himself to us. He gives us His Word that we might know Him. 
that he might be revealed to us. Just like that light coming out and into the dark world. You don't shove it away and hide it in a basket, but you set it on a lamp so that the Lord of glory might be revealed. And in the final parable, there is one more aspect of the coming of the king. Not only is the light shining in the darkness and the seed of his word going out, um, but there is something here in verse 31 that at first blush may seem insignificant. Jesus says, It is like the grain of a mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Now, commentators note that there are maybe smaller seeds, but for the Jewish world, this in their mind was the smallest seed. In their sort of pantheon of seeds that they might go out and plant, this was it. This was the, the tiniest, the littlest of seeds, and indeed it is a tiny seed. Um, but here, when the Lord Jesus came, he came in humility. He came as a babe in a manger, as the son of a carpenter. When he started preaching, he gathered around him a few, namely twelve. And they were pretty motley, right? A motley crew. They were fishermen, tax collectors, and the like. Jesus was confronted by religious leaders and was pressed in on by the crowds. He was greeted by disgruntled family members who wanted to bring him back to Nazareth and to quiet him down. Jesus was, in many respects, a very small beginning. Uh, Now, that's a... It's a popular thing today. If you're a tech entrepreneur or you are a rock band, to start in a garage is like this badge of honor, right? Um, But they didn't have anything on the Lord Jesus Christ. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not account equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing took on the form of a servant. He was born in the likeness of men and he was found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Friends, when we pray thy kingdom come, we pray as those who are beneficiaries and witnesses of the reality that the kingdom has already come. That Jesus The glorious one became nothing to establish his kingdom so that it would flourish and grow into that magnificent, I guess, bush, tree that even birds would find a nest in. So when we long for the future return of our King Jesus, let us not forget that the glory has already been revealed. The light has shone into the dark recesses of our hearts and the word continues to be spread out all over the world. The Lord Jesus Christ has come. So we find hope in the reality that his kingdom has come and is coming. Secondly, we pray that his will would be done. I don't know about you, but this is a prayer that we ought to pray all the time, but it's one That is scary. Thy will be done. 
And it's scary because in that process we are acknowledging that it is the Lord alone who accomplishes his purposes. In fact, we are crying out for him to accomplish his purposes. But it means that he will do it in his way and in his time. I don't know about you, but I like to be in control. That's, uh, I think, all of us maybe. Maybe some of us more than others. Uh, for some of us, this is uh, the desire we have all the time. We want to take charge. We want to assert ourselves. We want to direct. We want to command. We don't like to follow. We want to have everything set in our way. And so acknowledging this, that we are ultimately not in control, and that we desire God's will to be done, is a difficult Oftentimes we pray this prayer backwards. Lord, your will be done in heaven as I direct things down here on earth. Flip it around. Yet it is the king alone who is able to accomplish his purposes. And he does it in his way and in his time. Let's see this in the parables. The light is not hidden, but is set on a lampstand. The light has come into the world not to be hidden away. Jesus is saying that his purpose is to make known his kingdom, to to make his will uh, known to all. Now this is an interesting thing because at the same time we see that Jesus uh, also says that whoever has ears, let him hear. And later on he'll say, you you know, we read it earlier in our text from Isaiah and from Matthew that the Lord doesn't allow some to hear. He speaks in parables to make things less clear. And that's a confusing thing. There is in some sense a veil that keeps the light from penetrating some. We struggled with this a little bit last week to wrestle through this sovereign will of of God. And yet even in this, God's will is being revealed. His kingdom is coming and His will is being done in both salvation and in judgment. That's a hard truth. Nevertheless, the purpose of the light, the purpose of putting the light onto the lampstand is to reveal, it's to make known. Jesus came to make known the glories of the kingdom. This was his desire. This was his will. And, you know, as we think about um, this, you can't help but have this song, at least as, as a kid, this song was pounded into my head, and many of you will know it, um, running through your head. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Yeah, there it is. And there's an important truth in this song, right? That as those who know the light and have received the light, have a responsibility in making that light known and, and not hiding the light. And so we were always taught, don't hide your light under a bushel. No. no. Don't let it shine, right? Teach our kids that. There's truth in that. that is, that's true. But Jesus' parable here is about the lamp on the lampstand. It's less exhortation and more declaration. Jesus was talking about the coming of the kingdom. He was talking about what he himself was doing. He's saying, I came into the world to be revealed. 
That's my purpose. That's why I've come. The light has come, and and as with all lights, it is meant to shine. And so that is what Christ does. He scatters the darkness and reveals that the kingdom of God has come. And even as we feel as though darkness seems to always be encroaching and coming in and winning, and though it may feel that the light of Christ is in some way at this day and age being dimmed, the reality is much different. All around the globe today, the glory of Christ is being proclaimed. Sinners are hearing and seeing and repenting and believing. And it's happening in all the farthest flung places of this world. Far from the light being extinguished, no matter how dark the world feels, no matter how we feel in our own world, we can take comfort knowing that the will of God in the revelation of His Son continues and will continue until that day when He comes again in glory. And that revelation will be like no other. And all the world will come to their knees and confess that He alone is Lord. His will is being done. We see the will of God being done in this second parable as well. Jesus points to the fact that after the sower scatters the seed, he goes to sleep and rises night and day. And while he goes about his day and nights, the plants are growing. Because that's what they do, right? He says, he knows not how, is how the text put it. He doesn't understand, you know, you know we can talk biology. We can talk about how the, I'm not even going to try it, but how the... <laughs> All that stuff goes with photosynthesis, and yeah, I don't, I'm not even going to try. But even then, it's a mystery, isn't it? When I go and I plant something, which is infrequent, um, <laughs> I, I, I actually expect it not to grow. So then when it does grow, I'm like, wow, look at that, there's a leaf. But two things that I want to note from this parable. One is that at the end of the day, the sower isn't doing anything. The sower simply waits. And so it is with the will of God, right? He alone accomplishes his purpose. The prophet Isaiah exhorts us with this at the end of Isaiah 40. Isaiah 40, of course, is a prophetic psalm, song almost. Uh, that is declaring the sovereignty of God. That's, if you go back, it's one of the most glorious passages in all of Scripture, declaring the sovereign hand of God. And at the end of that section, it kind of questions uh, the person, the reader says, Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God? In the midst of suffering, in the midst of pain and hardship, And we think that, oh, the will of the Lord is being thwarted somehow. My life is in shambles. The Lord says, why do you say your right is disregarded by my God? Have you not known? 
Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint. He doesn't grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary. Just ask my brother-in-law who played basketball with me yesterday. That's right. Grow weary. Young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord. Wait upon the Lord. Shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. God alone is sovereign. And he alone is the one who causes the growth called to wait upon him. But there's a second thing to note with regards to God's will being done in this short parable. It takes time. Notice how he describes the growth, and we all know this about plants. First the blade, then the ear, then the full grain. Now, I'm always amazed you know, with regard to uh, corn. I, I went to school out in the Midwest, and there's this corn as far as the eye can see. And how quickly it grows. In the spring, there's nothing. And then by fall, there's this huge harvest, and you can't even imagine. But I was considering this, just this thought of waiting, uh, you know, as the farmer waits. And I've considered how fun it would be to plant an apple tree in our yard. Uh, wouldn't that be cool? We could have our own apples. I could, you know, a certain species that I like that I would just love to have. But whenever I think about it, I think... Man, but we would not be able to enjoy those apples for years. That's too long to wait. And then I just go down to the orchard and get whatever kind of apple I want. Why am I bothering with all of this? I think sometimes we're like that with the Lord. We want things to go quickly. This is especially true when it comes to people, to their salvation our kids and our spouses or just growth and grace our parents our friends we want the lord to work quickly we want our, want him to work on our timetable and when he doesn't we lose heart we get frustrated when the fruit doesn't come but one of the most glorious truths of scripture is that the lord is patient with us and isn't that true for you and me Those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. He works in His time according to His will. The will of God is also more astounding and powerful than we often perceive. Uh, Despite the mustard seed size, it grows and it grows. The emphasis of Jesus is on the comparative size of the seed to the plant, right? That's the the emphasis of the... the, uh, Illustration, the, the parable that he's drawing here. Um, and I think this is, this is an amazing thing. We can't imagine the scope and wonder of what God is doing in building his kingdom. What did he tell Abraham all those many years ago when he told him to look up at the stars? What did he say? He says, your, your progeny, your children are going to be more numerous than those. 
more than can be counted. We can feel here in a small church in Connecticut that the kingdom of God is small potatoes. It's not. It's a grand and glorious throng being gathered from every single tribe and tongue and nation. We are small potatoes. That's all right. Okay with that. But we're small potatoes in a vast and expansive kingdom. And just as that mustard seed is insignificant in its appearance, nevertheless, God wills that it grows and that it expands and that it flourishes. May the Lord's will be done. And may he use us as potatoes for his glorious kingdom. Or mustard. I've mixed up all my illustrations at this point. I want to close with this final clause. On earth as it is in heaven. The final clause that we are looking at is a bold prayer. We are calling heaven down to earth. We are calling for the complete transformation of this world. And this has certain implications. Not only does it mean that the gospel taking root in transforming hearts and lives, it also means that the gospel is coming with that double-edged sword in judgment of the wicked. It means the end of sin and death. And that's a good thing, but it, it cuts both ways, right? Cuts both ways. In each of these parables, especially the first and the last, there's a call to listen and hear. It's a warning to us not to miss that the kingdom of God will prevail and that the gates of hell will not prevail against it as it moves forward. And I think it's important for us to hear these warnings. The light of heaven has shown on earth that we might see the glories of King Jesus. But you'll notice at the end of this little parable, it says, but he who has ears, let him hear. And then it says, he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. It's a cutting both directions. Pay attention to whom much is given. Friends, I don't want you to leave here this morning without wrestling in your heart. Am I seeing the Lord for who He is, this glorious King of kings who's come to redeem a people for Himself? Do I hear the good news that's being, as it's being proclaimed? Friend, if you're here this morning and wondering what all this kingdom of God stuff is about, let me tell you. It's about Jesus. The very Son of God, the light of the world who came. And He came from heaven to earth to bring salvation for sinners like you and me. To those who've rebelled against God, and He offers Himself to you free of charge. For He willingly laid down His life, paid the penalty for your sins and mine, dying a death that we deserved. And He broke the power of sin and death by rising again, so that we might have eternal life. And He calls you to put your faith. And trust in him. He says, Believe on me, and you will be saved. 
Do you have ears to hear? Do you have ears to hear in this second parable? The kingdom is coming. Did you catch this last little bit that says, but when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. That sounds very lovely. It's the time of harvest. We have harvest parties. We take the fruit of the land and we, we enjoy it. But if you go over to Joel, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there with me. This is almost a direct quote from the, from the prophet Joel. Now, it is true that the Lord of the harvest is coming to harvest and he's bringing in a harvest for himself, a beautiful harvest. People to be worshipers of him, a people for himself, ones he can call his children that he carries with him. But in Joel chapter 3, the context of putting the sickle for the harvest is ripe is about judgment. It's about the nations who have rebelled against God. And he says, a time is coming. Put in the sickle for the harvest is ripe. Go in, tread for the winepress is full. The vats overflow for their evil is great. When we pray on earth as it is in heaven, we are praying for the restoration of all things. We're calling out for the Lord of glory to come and we're asking for him to make what is wrong right. And so you have an opportunity now, brothers and sisters, to rejoice in the coming and pray that he would come soon. But if you're a friend, if you have yet to put your faith in Christ, this is a, this is a warning. The harvest is coming. And sickle cuts both ways. Finally, kingdom comes in an immense and glorious kingdom and it's a refuge did you notice that i uh when we um before we we, we've done away with most of our rhododendron but you'll know i when i picture the the mustard plant i picture our rhododendron i guess in our in our house we had rhododendron that i've never seen them as big as this they just covered our entire front of our house and it was one of the first things we decided to cut down because we wanted light to come through our windows. Um, but one thing I thought about as I cut those things down and tore them out with the help of some folks is that we were actually removing these refuge for all these little birds that I'd hear chirping. All day, like we'd sit in, my, in our family room and I'd heard, hear these birds chirping and they're, they're sitting there in the, in the rhododendron bushes. It was a refuge. Occasionally I would see a hawk and we saw this I don't know, some sort of falcon sitting on our wellhead. And I just thought, those birds, they're, they're finding a refuge. The chipmunks too, right? We have lots of those. This mustard plant grows, and it, it says here that it creates a home, a place for the birds to come and find a nest. Friends, when the kingdom of God comes in all its glory, we will have a glorious home. No more sin, no more sorrow, no more pain, no more toiling, no more strife. But even now, we have a refuge in Jesus. What a glorious hope. Our Father who art in heaven, 
hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, that is our prayer. And Lord, we ask that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear the glorious hope of the kingdom. We thank you for the light of the world, Jesus Christ, who came and revealed that hope to us. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.